What's up, guys? It's another episode of Panic Perspectives, and we're going to be going over some of the basics today to maybe help anybody who's trying to get into the sport or just wants to have a solid overview of what it all is comprised of. So, you know, maybe listen to it in 10, 15 minutes and learn a lot and enjoy a race coming up. Sounds cool. Let's dive in. So I'm going to just go over a few things to kind of describe the sport in a nutshell. First off, there are 10 teams. There's Mercedes, there's Ferrari, there's Red Bull, there's Alpine, there's Aston Martin, there's Alpha Tauri something or other this year, there's Alfa Romeo Stake this year, there's Haas, there's McLaren, and there's Williams. So I believe I got all 10. I was just doing that off the top of my head. It shouldn't be that hard, but I had all my fingers up. So we're good. There are 20 drivers. So there's two drivers per team. And there's a lot of dynamics Mm -hmm. to that two driver, you know, who's more important. Supposedly, neither one is supposed to be. But just for your knowledge for now, there's two per team. Right. They are the fastest cars in the world. If anybody wanted to nitpick me, technically in a straight line, American IndyCar is faster. If you were to go for a lap in most places, F1 is faster. So most of the races are in different country, varying from race to race. So it's all over the world. I don't know exactly how many countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's three in America now, which is... A huge thing because when we first started watching, I believe there was only one. Yeah, it was just Texas. It was just the Circuit of Americas, yeah. And (laughs) now they have the Miami race and Las Vegas last year, which was interesting. more interesting than I anticipated. But we're getting a little off topic. Formula One is top echelon of the sport. Um, this is where most motorsport people want to end up if they want to be in the top level. It's up yeah. there with things like Le Mans, um, 24-hour race. You might have seen that in the movie Four vs. Ferrari, if mm-hmm. you want some reference to what I'm talking about. Formula One became a world competition in 1950 with the first ever race taking place at Silverstone, which is the circuit in the United Kingdom. The oldest track other than Monaco. Um, So I did look it up. This was the first race of the championship competition. Mm -hmm. The reason that that is important is I don't believe it was the first F1 race. I think there were F1 races prior. When the actual F1 championship was founded, the competition throughout an entire year, the first race was in Silverstone. I think F1 had, like the racing had already been taking place since like 48 or 47 yeah they've been but it, it I think had it been a couple years, years there and i know yeah. monaco was one yes i know it so um if anybody actually wanted to know why it's called formula one interestingly enough um formula is a set of rules covering the car design the engine size the component usage and other technical aspects of the car that all competitors must abide by Secondly, the one stands for the premier league, so Mm -hmm. the top. Yeah. 
So that typical structure of these weekends are going to start on Fridays to Sundays from practice sessions to qualifying, then the race. So it starts with practice one and two on Friday. Each of those sessions are going to be an hour long. And then on Saturday morning, there is another hour session. Then in the afternoon, there's qualifying. And qualifying is broken down as Q1, Q2, and Q3, with Q1 being about 18 minutes long. That cuts off your bottom five. So 20 drivers, and then they go around. And if you're in the bottom five... At the end of that 18 minutes. You are cut off, and then they go again. Q2 starts. It's the remaining 15. There's 15 minutes in qualifying number two. And at the end of this 15 minutes... The bottom five will be cut, and then we will go into quali three with the top 10. That takes us into Q3, which is 12 minutes long, and these top 10 are racing for the top 10 spots. So they want to get the fastest lap that they can to get as close to the top as they can so they can be in pole position, Okay, which is first. Pole position is first, and the reason all of these placements matter is because this is how they set up on the grid come Sunday. Correct. For the race. And the point of all of this buildup is they have to get used to the track. So practice one and two is to kind of learn the car on Friday. Then Saturday, practice three is to try to find a really good setup with the car and to do mess with downforce and the front wing and things that they can adjust on a weekend basis to see if they can get a little bit faster. And then in the evening qualifying on Saturday, that's how they really get as fast as they can and one lap pace and see who can go around the quickest. And that's going to set the grid and then Sunday is set up. (laughs) Sunday is a typical race we can have about two hours on average. It's about a two hour race. I think a lap average is probably about 54 laps per race. I think is about a good average. Yeah, 54. is. I would just say average would be about 55 to 70-ish laps. It depends if it's a really short track. And then your typical tire grades, which we're going to talk about later, which aren't... Which aren't exactly important for an overview. We can... They use different tires for different lengths and different grip strengths, but we, we can explain that one in a different episode because I feel like... It might be getting a little bit to the point where it it might be a little overwhelming. Once you watch a race or two, you'll be like, okay, I want to understand why they're doing what they're doing. So we'll get there. And there are some exceptions such as... A sprint race weekend, which people can't decide if they like it or they hate it. I personally like them. I think they're interesting. I personally don't like them. (laughs) It really changes up the entire weekend, which we'll try to explain on Friday. So it's still three days. It's still Friday to Sunday. Mm -hmm. Friday starts with a practice that's one hour long on a sprint weekend. But then instead of having a second practice, they have race qualifying. So your normal qualifying that they normally do on on a Saturday afternoon. So they do the qualifying for the race on Friday, uh, for the race on Sunday. So sprint shootout is your sprint qualifying, which is going to set your grid for the sprint race. Um, It's set up very similar to a regular race qualifying, 
where you would have an SQ1, an SQ2, and an SQ3 being in increments of 12 minutes, 10 minutes, and 8 minutes. And then in the, they race for the sprint on Saturday afternoon because they do the sprint shootout in the morning. And then the top eight positions get points. And it's kind of nice because sometimes the you may do really well in the sprint, but then qualify really poorly. And you can gain some additional points, which right. the points we're not going to go into too much, but that is how they accumulate and see how they're going to end at the end of the year in championship standings. Right. So, you know, think of a football team at the end of the season. They need a record. This is how they record everything for next races. So uh, we'll explain the point structure race to race and what it means maybe in a different episode. But just for your own understanding, you can get more points if you finish better in certain positions. And then you get some more points if you do really well in a sprint race as well. So, And sprint races are a newer thing. I th- they started in like, what, 2021? Yeah, so it's not a part, it hasn't always been a part of the sport. It's pretty new. I think it's to try to make it sound a little bit more exciting because there's two races and maybe people that aren't as interested in the sport, they get a really good overview of what's going on when there's yeah. two races and they also don't have to pit stop or anything which in most races they pit stop about once or twice to change their tires and if any damage on their uh, some removable parts like the front wing they can change but they don't do any major changes to the car during a race no pit refueling stop. No, yeah, it's very quick. Yeah. About two seconds-ish is probably yeah. an average. Once you get to like four or five, you're starting to be a little slow. So it's very quick compared to most other sports. Um, But after you have sprint shootout and sprint race on Saturday, you have your race day on Sunday still. Which makes it seem, in my opinion... A little redundant because they already had like a race and everything. So we're st- we're lining everybody up by what they qualified on Friday. So like Saturday, the whole sprint thing, it didn't affect the Sunday race day, which makes me feel like it's a little unnecessary. They do a few of them a year. I think there's going to be four this we year. Five this year. Which I'm not happy about, but it's whatever. We've talked a lot about that. I think we're going to move on. <laughs> So now that we've talked about how the race weekend looks, let's talk about stars of the show. Who would you say are some of the most notable drivers on the grid right now? There's Lando Norris, who drives for McLaren. Oscar Piastri, who also drives for McLaren. And you have Lewis Hamilton, who's a seven-time world champion, races for Mercedes only this year. And he just changed to Ferrari for next year, which is... Huge. Which is huge, but if you're just getting into the sport, he's the guy. He's at the top of Mm -hmm. the food chain. He's the most decorated F1 champion ever. It's important where he changes and where he goes to drive. So definitely a whole whole different topic, but we're just trying to give you an overview. So Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion at... Mercedes. He's very 
Very good. And Charles Leclerc, who races for Ferrari. Which is the team that we just stated is where Lewis Hamilton is going for 2025. Not this year. It's where champions go. Supposedly, they haven't been one in a long time. I think in the mid-2000s was the last time Ferrari had won a championship. We're going to move on to the the GOAT, the guy that is really, I think, the greatest of all time. He's won the last three years straight, mm -hmm. would be Max Verstappen, and he races for Red Bull. Yes. And if you turn on a race this year, I'm going to put money that he'll be in front a lot of the time. And he was most of the time. He'll probably be like 30 seconds in front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he was last season. I mean, it got, it got <laughs> to the point where we were really excited when people were fighting for second last year. We just yeah. kind of forgot Max was so far ahead. Right. Like he wasn't even in the race, but he wasn't the other way. He wasn't behind. He was in front. Right. He wanted to do pit stop practice. Yeah, I think there were times where he would tell his team, let's go, let's take a pit stop. We need practice. And the team would, they're like, you know, oh. they're confused because he looked like it was so, he made it look very, very easy last year. On to another crucial topic. It would be the teams. Um, explaining the, st the structure, I think we've gone over it a little bit, but yeah. 10 teams, 20 drivers, two drivers for each team. Mm -hmm. Then there are some pivotal people like the head coach-esque kind of people, which would be the team principals. Right. Te uh, technical directors in certain circumstances um, that are very, you know, it, it, that's like your offensive coordinator or something yeah. in football. He's very very important you don't always hear about them but if there's like a very experienced one like uh the mclaren has andrea stella who is knows what he's doing and he's been on a lot of different teams pivotal we don't have to get into that he's very important these guys are the best in motorsport racing business scouted since they were in like their karting days before so. they could yeah most F1 drivers start when they're really young, probably before they're 10 in karting mm -hmm. and work their way up through the ranks, through karting. And then they finally get an opportunity, maybe an F4, which would be the the entry level formula yeah. league. So there's F4, 3, 2, and then 1. There's a Formula E too. I think that Formula E is adjacent so. to Formula 1 cuz it's the upper oh, echelon. Do that. I thought it was like adjacent to more what like a Formula 3. Thought it kind of slid in there, but that's okay. I no, think Formula E is where people go when they can't get into Formula 1 because there's only 20 seats. That is not an attack. Yeah. On F there's you know F people that don't get in. It's as we've said before, there's so little drivers mm. and it's hard to get into the sport. But I think we're adding a team in 2026, so. Well, we're losing one too, so oh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> so when we're talking about the teams throughout a weekend, it's very interesting to watch how they operate in terms of strategy, meaning you know the what kind of aerodynamic package they bring mm -hmm. to specific tracks which change the way that each team is trying to you know play a chess match with the other team seeing what they're doing it's it's really interesting to see how a weekend will develop there's a lot of moving parts in f1 yes 
So it's, there's car, there's the drivers, there's the principals, then there's the track. The track is like in another very important aspect because it's not similar to NASCAR where they're perfecting things very minimally because they're on a similar type track most of the time, mm-hmm. which is very, very interesting in its own right. But it's different in F1 because you're going to high speed tracks, then slow speed tracks, then circuits on streets, then actual like race tracks. So yeah, different. We just got to throw some dirt in there. Need some dirt races. <laughs> yeah, it'd be rally racing on an F1 car. Yeah, that'd be funny. They have like, what, a millimeter of clearance? <laughs> These cars in Formula One are engineered to the max. They have thousands of parts making these cars the fastest cars in the world, spanning from the bodywork, the side pods, the multiple suspension elements, the turbo hybrids, 18-inch tires. The reason the car is millimeters off the ground, it's all there to get the best out of the car and to be as fast as possible. An F1 car essentially acts as an airplane flipped upside down with the front and rear wings pushing the car onto the track and giving them absolutely insane levels of grip which helps produce many g's of force while cornering and braking at speeds pushing 200 miles an hour for anybody that's very technical and maybe wants to know there are tons of elements to these cars so if you wanted to know what the power unit is comprised of there's internal combustion engine there's also motor generated heat unit kinetic energy unit turbocharger energy storage unit control with electronics and the exhaust the cars are powered by a turbocharged v6 15,000 rpm engine featuring kinetic and thermal energy recovery systems also to add most of these cars they don't get to test them as you would think in other sports, when they're not on the racetrack for these race weekends, they're not being used. Yeah, they're driving pra- the cars. They're practicing in simulators. These things are so expensive. They don't waste elements of the car. They don't want to break the car. So yeah. genuinely, the rules are you are not allowed to use your car unless there's a few days before the season starts, winter testing, which is about to happen. Yes. And that's a few days And then they go to the race weekends. The rest of that, these drivers get practice in simulators. So it's it's a very unique sport in the sense that these drivers don't get to just go and put in more reps. Right. Yeah. So uh, that that is also an interesting element to how a driver progresses too. A lot of these drivers don't get into the sport. So how would they know how to drive the car if they've never actually gotten a chance to drive one? Mm -hmm. Certain circumstances and the off chance in practices. Every once in a while, they will throw their reserve driver or somebody else in for, you know, maybe the the normal seated driver is sick or, or something. It happens from time to time. And those are crucial moments for those who get the, that opportunity. That's all for the pit stop today on Paddock Perspective. I hope you learned a little bit and want to come back and maybe listen to us and maybe we'll do some more episodes where we explain specific things in depth. Have a great day.